0: Well, wow, what a great uh, welcome. Thank you so much. It's a real honor to be here. I've really been looking forward uh, to being with you, Um, Dr. Fred, Debbie, my other friends that are here, of course, Dr. Nanuda, Dr. Sanders, and uh, uh, Emily right there, and of course, uh, uh, Brother Growl, thank you so much. And all of you that are here today, um, it's a real honor for me. I've been looking forward to it. I actually, I have been traveling. Um, I've been traveling and speaking in different churches since uh, COVID, actually just only since September. Uh, but I also have been doing some Zoom meetings. Just two weeks ago, I did a meeting, uh, a Zoom meeting with five different countries. Uh, I was one of the speakers, South Africa, India, England, uh, somewhere in the Caribbean, four different countries. And uh, next week, I'm doing another Zoom meeting uh, on healing, a healing crusade uh, with Pakistan, India, Kuwait, England, and a few other places. So I have been doing different things, and I'm glad that God is still able to use me uh, in that which he has called me to do. I just want to say, though, to Elam Bible Institute in college, if you're here today, The Bible tells us that he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Listen, it's for his name's sake that you are here. And the plans that God has for you and Elam Bible Institute and college are for good and not for evil, for a future and a hope. So because he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, we need to depend on him, we need to lean on him, and we need to trust in him. Amen? This was beautiful being here today. I thought of a a word in Orthodox uh, theology. It's called theosis. And theosis is the ability to receive from God wherever environment you're in. And I thought I was really receiving today in the praise and worship. Thank you uh, so much. I want to talk to you today about engaging the culture. Uh, I've only spoke this twice, and it was about three weeks ago. I spoke at the University of Buffalo uh, at our basic group. And then uh, also a couple of weeks ago, I spoke at the Tabernacle in Buffalo. I haven't even spoke uh, at my own church yet. But I felt as I was waiting on the Lord, this word came to me, engage. Engaging the culture. And the culture that we're in now, though you're here on this campus, you're on the hill, there is a culture out there that is really probably the most diverse, the most uh, uh, radical, the most controversial uh, since maybe the 60s. And I want to speak to that today. The dictionary definition, the word engage came to me. I'm thinking about engage is, you know, uh, in the 60s, I was a, a revolutionary and against this and that. And that's what I thought the word engage meant. But I looked it up in the dictionary, and the dictionary definition of engaging is charming and attractive. As in, he had an engaging smile. Wow. Listen, this means not to be mean-faced and looking like a grump or looking like you're very stern. It's just the opposite. You know, there used to be, when I was very young, a cartoon and in this cartoon, there was a guy with a long beard and a hat, and he had a sign, and he looked very stern, and it said, repent. Now, repent is a good word. But looking at that person would almost scare you to death. That's not what God's called us to do, especially in the culture and generation that we're in. Our mission, in fact, our commandment is in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel. To all creation. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved. Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, As you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved. As you go, be engaging be delightful as best as you can. Two weeks ago, on a Friday, uh, early in the morning, I went to the coffee shop that uh, I, I go to. It was at 7 o'clock a.m., and uh, I went in. There were some gentlemen that were in there that I see every once in a while. They're Christian, um, they're, they're, they're Christian men from a non-Pentecostal uh, church, and I visit with them every once in a while. And uh, there was four of them, and I had my espresso, and I I walked up to them, and one of the leaders said to me, Pastor Ron, he said, are you 100% today? And I kind of laughed. I said, I don't think I'm ever 100%. He goes, well, I'm, I'm not. He goes, I have such a terrible headache. And I don't know why he was complaining to me. And I, his name was Sale. I said, Sal. I said, God has given me a gift of healing, especially for headaches. Can I pray for you? Now, these are non-Pentecostal Baptist guys, and I know that. They've made it known to me before. And it just came out of me. And he said yes. When I went over him, put my hands on him. I know it's COVID time, but that's what I did. And uh, I asked him if I could pray for him. And I prayed in tongues a little bit over him, and lightly, and I just prayed for him. And I took my hand off. I said, Sal, how are you? And he looked at me, I said, yeah, I said, a good doctor or a nurse, after they do something with you, they ask, how are you doing? How are you? He looked up at me and said, the headache is gone. There is no headache. And he began to rejoice. Listen, as you go, wherever you are, you can minister the word of the Lord. But listen, don't be like a grump. We need to be engaging with people. They need to see the joy of the Lord in our lives. It says in Matthew 28, And teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you and never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. Why am I speaking this to you today? Because all of us are going to be engaging this culture sometime or another, sooner or later. God wants us to be all that he's called us to be. How are we to be the bearers of the good news? In fact, the greatest news that Jesus Christ saves, heals, and delivers from sin and sickness. See, that's our message. When I laid hands on him and prayed for him and God healed him, that's part of the good news. Jesus saves, heals, and delivers. And that's our message. That's what God has called us to do. He's called us to be everything he wants us to be. And that is that his plans for us are for good and that we be ambassadors of Christ wherever we go. I want us to look at a scripture that I feel is so relevant in our world today. And it's out of Micah chapter 6. Let me give you a little background of Micah chapter 6. God has a complaint or an indictment with his people, the nation of Israel. He said, oh, my people, what have I done to you? Listen, what have I done to you to make you tired of me? Listen, we have to be careful that we don't get tired of him. We don't become complacent. We don't become, you know, so adjusted to this world that we're irrelevant to the world. Now, the complaint from Jehovah or the indictment, it says in another translation, was after he delivered them from bondage in the land of Egypt, they got saved. They were delivered, okay, but they were not acting like it. I want to emphasize that. They were not acting like being saved and delivered. And Israel didn't seem to get it. They ungratefully respond to God. When God says that to them, you could read it in the context of Micah chapter 6. They ungratefully respond. So what do you want from us, God? Thousands of sheep? Rivers of oil? The death of our firstborn? What are we supposed to do? They, if you read that, you can see that they were being ungrateful. They were being sarcastic with God when God told them that he, was, he had a complaint against them. God's response is simple and clear. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O man, or mankind, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. God's message is just three things are required. Listen, Micah 6.8 connects our faith with our action. When I'm speaking to you today, I'm not just speaking to you and speaking to me but to the body of Christ in general. It connects our care for those in need with our walk with God. God wanted them to change their actions and attitudes. That's what it was. And in the body of Christ today around the world, especially here in the United States of America, there's a lot of conflict happening in the body, Jesus' prayer was, Father, that we would be one, they would be one as we are one. We have not seen that yet. Number one, to do justly. To do what is included, to do a right, including social justice. Now, we could debate that. You could talk about that all you want. Social justice is the relation of balance between individuals and society Measured by uh, comparing distribution of wealth, differences from personal liberties to fair privilege opportunity. Now, we could de- you can debate that, and I know it's taken to extremes, but still, that's what it's called. Basically, to do justly is to be fair in dealing with others. That's what God called us to do. Oh, man. Do justly. We need to be fair in our dealings with everybody. Number two is to love mercy. To love mercy is to diligently practice kindness and compassion and to carry through on commitments to meet others' needs. That's what God's called us to do. We need to meet the needs of others. Psalm 82.3, defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. James 2.13, mercy triumphs over judgment. God has called us today to engage this generation with the good news of Jesus Christ. And part of it is to love mercy and to do justly. And number three, and to walk humbly with your God. meetings, setting aside any overblown sense of importance of self. It means to be modest. You know, we tend to sometimes think of the group that we're in, either uh, uh, our ethnic group or our religion or whatever it is, our, our style. Sometimes we have an overblown idea of who we are. But God says, and to walk humbly with your God. It means to be modest. That's an interesting word. And I thought of Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. To be a positive witness to our Lord, we need to remember another part of our mission. Yes, it's to do justly, it's to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. But there's another aspect that I want to bring to you this morning. Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be get it. That's what God called us to be. Into the society we're in today, into the culture we are today, in the generation that's out there today. And there's a number of generations that are out there, and God wants us to relate to all those that are there. The best way to be light is to love one enough. John 13, 34, a new commandment, I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another by this all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, how do we do that with each other in the body of Christ and with The people who are seeking a relationship with God, to those who are searching for peace, forgiveness, or healing. There is many people that are seeking that. But, you know, a lot of times we don't have that opportunity because of our attitude or our actions. We show love when we are kind, accepting, Showing empathy in living out our values. Fruit of the Spirit. I just uh, spoke Sunday in Oneida, New York. And, and I talked about the, the reason we need to be continually filled with the Spirit. And it's not just for power and signs and wonders. It's for the fruit of the Spirit. God desires the fruit and the gifts in our life. And we need to be kind and loving in accepting, accepting others where they are. Not just putting up with people. That's 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 different than accepting who they are. When you accept somebody who they are, they know the difference of that and you just putting up with who they are. Showing empathy. I want to tell you, if we cannot see ourselves in somebody else's Position or shoes or their value, you won't you won't be able to relate to them. You have to have empathy, not necessarily sympathy. Empathy is trying to identify with people. Listen, your college students, Bible college student, God's called us to, and you and me and wherever I do to be kind, accepting, showing empathy, and living out our values. It's it's good to uh, examine the values of the school that you're in, and I hope you have personal values in your life. could be excellence, relevance, integrity, service, the supernatural, and diversity. These are a few examples of values. Listen, by showing love to each other, I have it on the PowerPoint there, we are pointing to a body of diversified believers that is a picture of unity, love, service, and accountability. Let me tell you what I mean by that. When we show love to each other in the body of Christ, we are pointing to a body of people that is the is a diversified a group of believers that is a picture of unity, love, service, and accountability. It's like, wow, right now, I think when the world looks at us, they don't see that. They see, you know, disunity. They see unaccepting of one another. They see criticism of one another. But God has called us to something different. And this love goes across lines of race, class, and gender. God has called me to three things in these days. And, uh, just last August 27th, I was, was killed in a car accident. I was in a very serious car accident. I was in a hospital for eight days. And God spoke to me in that hospital, literally spoke to me, Ron, I have more work for you to do. And part of that work, three things he has spoken to me. Number one is preach the gospel, and that's what I, I do. Number two is racial reconciliation. And number three is a pro-life movement. These are three things that I, I, I'm working with right now. And racial reconciliation is not an easy thing to do. Tomorrow, I meet with one of the leaders of the greatest church Pentecostal black churches in Buffalo. And I'm trying to work these things out. I'm trying to hear somebody's story. And before you begin to criticize people, you need to hear their story. This love that Jesus is talking about goes across lines of race, class, and gender. The current culture that we're in today focuses on the difference between black and white, left and right, rich and poor, gay and straight, progressive and conservative. Listen, there's a world out there to be one. Absolutely, we need to study. Absolutely, we need to pray. From Elam, I went to Robert's Wesley in college, and when I went to Robert's, way back then, I was the first Pentecostal tongue speaking president of the student body ever at Robert's Wesley in college, ever. I was the first one there. But their motto at, at Robert's was "Ora et labora." Prayer and work. Listen, it's prayer. And work. It's faith and action. God has called us to love this world. He has called us to go beyond that which we see and identify with what God says people are. Every person is made in the image and likeness of God, and we should treat everyone as an image bearer of God. That's what I'm trying to communicate to you today. The real issue is sin versus love. Yes, we need to speak the truth in love to uh, confront the wrongs. Absolutely, we need to do that. But we need to do it in a way that we are accepting and loving and kind to people. And we always have to remember, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that all includes us. You know, when you begin to when I begin to look at that, and I begin to see differences, and I'm with leaders all the time, and uh, when I begin to begin to get critical of them, I begin to remember, no, Ron, you have faults of your own. It's short time. Listen, love and unity are a powerful rebuttal to the idea that the only route to equality is through political or cultural means. I want to say that again because I believe God gave that to me. And I'm working in these areas with different with different people. Love and unity are a powerful rebuttal to the idea that the only route to equality is through political or cultural means. That goes beyond all of that. Romans 14, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. In conclusion, connect to your world. When Jesus forgave you, he placed a new love in you, a new purpose for your world of influence, as we are authentic in our relationships and sincere in our commitment to Jesus, people will respond. God loves people, and he looks on them with compassion. We know that. It is will, the Bible tells us, that none perish. And you are God's plan to reach the world you influence. Your world of influence includes those with whom you have a relationship and have the ability to influence their lives. These are people in your family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, and acquaintances, and students. So how do we do that? Learn to tell your story. John 9.25, Jesus said, tell me the story of a blind man that was there. And they're asking this guy all those questions about, who was it that healed you? We're asking all these maybe theological questions. And the guy says, in John 9.25, he answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Your personal experience is better. You could learn a whole bunch of theological tricks, theological jargon, theological truths, and you could debate that with people. And, and, and you need to be able to know what you believe and how to share it. But there's going to be a point that. I don't care how skilled you are, how intelligent you are, how wise you are, how good you are in debating that people are not going to listen to you, not listen to that. Your personal experience is valid. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. The Bible says that everyone can have an experience with God if they sincerely look for him. And part of the mission God has given us is to be able to relate to this culture that we're in. I love that it says that God has planted eternity in the human heart, the book of Ecclesiastes. You need to share your testimony. My testimony is different than my wife's. My wife is here today. we have been, been married 45 years. Her testimony is that she led a really good life. But inwardly, she still needed to receive Christ. I, myself, was led a life of rebellion and sin, and I needed to get saved. Everybody's testimony is different. And finally, oh, and I have a track. Now, I understand that people don't know what tracks are this day. Kathy Alport. Uh, leader of a, one of the basic leaders, I asked for a couple of tracks that basic used. to use. And she, this is just last week. You wrote me a letter, and she said, "Pastor Rod, this is what she said: Pastor Ron. they don't use tracks anymore. They don't even know what it is." She said, "It's for our, it's for us mature people." That's what she said. But I still have a track of my testimony. I have given out. I'm not even going to exaggerate. Maybe five thousand or ten thousand of these throughout these last number of years. So, uh, you don't need to have a track, but you need to be able to tell your story. In closing today, learn to tell God's story. Most assuredly, Jesus said, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has an everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. That's our word for other people. Pray for those you're going to be meeting with. Invite them to church or to group or even... Invite him to Bible school. What I'm telling you is absolutely another true story. I was here so long ago at Elam that the men and women were separated. The men were on one side and the woman on the other. And just a couple weeks after I met my future wife, we weren't even dating, the girl that introduced me to her brought her to a week of prayer here at Elam. And I remember being on that side looking for her. Now, Judy was tall, so I'm looking for a tall person, you know. You can invite them to come. In closing, I'm going to pray for you today. The Bible says in Acts 1-8, but I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with power. This is from the Passion Translation. You will be my messengers to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, the distant provinces, even to the remotest places on earth. Before I turn it back to Sister Danuta, I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes for a moment. Just raise your hands up to the Lord. Father, I thank you for this body of believers. I thank you for these students and faculty of Elam Bible Institute and College. Lord, a college that was birth for revival. It was birth for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was birthed for the gifts of the Spirit and for the fruit of the Spirit. And Father, I thank you that this college was birthed to engage the culture that we're in, to engage the culture with the good news of Jesus Christ, that he saves, heals, delivers, and sets people free, he gives them eternal life. And, Lord, I pray tonight, this morning, Lord, Holy Spirit, just come. Fill each and every one of them. Fill them to overflowing with the power of God. Fill them, Lord, with the gifts of the Spirit. Lord, I pray that the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, faith, healing, working of miracles, tongues, interpretation, and prophecy would be released in their lives as needed. And, Lord, help us, all of us, Lord, to walk, to engage this culture with the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, help us to engage this culture with acceptance and uh, and empathy. Lord, help us, yes, to speak the truth, but to help us to speak the truth in love. Lord, help us to be all that you called us to be. Lord, help us that there be a day that people would point to the body of Christ and say, that is the body of Christ. That is a place of diversity and unity and power and love. Lord, I say my blessing upon Elam Bible Institute and College, this faculty and staff today, and students, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.